Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. I want to say thank you to absolutely everybody I interacted with last weekend at the expo. Obviously I lost a bit of my voice from talking the whole time, and I'll talk more about the expo later on, but I just wanted to say thank you, and I also wanted to say I have a lot of catching up to do, so expect a ton of live streams coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, If that's not your thing, just don't watch them, no big deal at all, but uh, if you're wondering why I'm going to do so many, it's just because it's the easiest way to catch up and get to hang out with all of you at the same time. So let's jump in and do this before my voice goes again. First up is something I should have covered quite a long time ago, and Chris Valdez was kind enough to remind me about that, as well as post a video walking you through it all. So basically, if you own a Turbo EverDrive version 2 or higher, not the original version 1s, there is an alternative open source operating system from Jay Brandwood that offers a few upgrades over the original, with some features like the ability to use the Turbo EverDrive as a super system card, as well as a Tanoki Bank utility, which is the CD-ROM drive save card thing, and it has a, a different UI. I have been using this version for a while now, and I, I've been flip-flopping back and forth, and I, I think the only reason I didn't write it up until now is because I assumed I already did. So uh, once again, thanks again to Chris for letting me know. But if you own a Turbo EverDrive, it's at the very least worth checking out this post and Chris's video just to kind of go through and see if it's features that maybe you would be interested in. If not, then the original OS is perfectly good as is, but I definitely wanted to share this one. So thanks very much to Jay Brandwood for making it, for Chris for making the video and reminding me about it, and of course, thanks to Crix for always making these awesome ROM cards. A new version of Tim Worthington's NES RGB mods are in stock and ready to ship. And the differences between this version and the previous are as follows. First of all, it still includes the de-jitter mod built in, as did the previous version, which is really only something uh, that people with OSSCs and capture cards might run into. Uh, it might be a help if you're using the RetroTINK 5X in frame buffer mode, but it's still nice to have in- installed in this for free anyway. But it also includes an in-game reset option, And it increases the amount of built-in color palettes from 3 to 6, which I think is really excellent because while the original 3 that were allowed were cool, there are different color palettes that you might want in different scenarios. And in fact, in the cart video I just showed, uh, the building a retro cart, I showed a Sony 13-inch CRT with an unmodded original NES, 
and the Super Mario Brothers guy was very blue, not really purple at all. Which, you know, there's always that big debate, like, that's not the right way to play it, but that's the way you would have seen it as a kid if you owned a Sony TV. So that's just one of many examples why you might want to flip back and forth between different color palettes and choose whichever one your eyes prefer. Cause there really is no right way to do that. It's whatever you like looking at. It's not like one color palette's going to add more lag than the other. They're all zero. So uh, that's a really cool option as well. Um, there's also a test mode, which is pretty easy or makes installers have an easier time to figure out, what's wrong and doing the troubleshooting after an installation. So um, this is definitely something that if you're an NES fan and you want to use original hardware on modern TVs, or if you have something like a PVM or BVM, you seriously want to consider this. I always try to make sure to tell everybody how amazing composite video looks on a CRT. And I do remember playing an unmodded NES on one of those Commodore monitors that just has composite and S-video via the two RCA jacks in back. And it looked stunning. I mean, it was awesome. If you owned one of those, you might never want to mod it. But everybody else might want to at least check this out and look into it and see if it's uh, see if it's your thing. So thanks very much to Tim for keeping this going. I, I can't believe how long it's been since the original one was released. Cause I definitely remember a time where there were no good or easy, well, easy, relatively speaking, NES RGB mods. So thanks to Tim. And if you want to hear more from Tim, check out the interview we did a while back while he was out in New York and uh, I had him over the house drinking and chatting. I have a question for all of you. What would you all like to see in these upcoming JLC PCB ads? Because today, after I'm done rambling, I will show you how to order a basic PCB, and uh, that way people watching will have the visuals of their latest website update, so you'll know exactly what to expect. But I've had some suggestions since I started doing these, and I've tried to take them all just to try to help clarify for people how to order these things, what to expect, what are things that are confusing if you've never done it before, what problems you might run into, all of that crazy stuff. So while I'm enjoying doing these ads and while I genuinely feel like they're kind of just a regular section and less of an ad, I want it to continue to feel that way. So please let me know any questions you have. I'll try to incorporate them into ads and help teach everybody how to do these PCB orders. But for now, let's just start with the basics how to order a PCB from JLC PCB. Okay, first things first is super easy. Just create your own account. It's completely and totally free to sign up. You don't even have to order anything. You could just sign up if you want. Once you're in, hit order now, and then you could either drag and drop or load up your Gerber file here. It takes a little bit to load up, and sometimes it might kind of hang at one point, but just wait until you see the PCBs pop up. And this could verify the correct design. It'll let you take a look at what it is here that you're about to make. This is a SCART cleaner board that I still have yet to finish that project, but it's available for anybody that wants to try it. And then here are your basic settings. And for most people, you won't really need to worry about changing anything. It automatically selects the base material, how many layers, and the dimensions based on the, the Gerber file that you've uploaded to it. You can change things like PCB color, but as you can see here, it takes two more days than just a basic green solder mask, so that's really up to you. For me personally, I use green for prototypes because it's the fastest, 
And then whenever I do finalized designs, I have different colors just to signify, okay, just by looking at it, I know this was at least a production version, but there's no right or wrong answer. Um, there's kind of different other options here for anything that you'd like, but really, I think the main choice for you right here is just how many that you would like. And it doesn't really change the price that much. You can see the calculated price is $2 for five, but let's go to 20 and it goes to $9.60. So it's not like it goes up some crazy amount. So really, I would just suggest buying however many it is that you would like for your order. After it's in and after you have any of the other things selected, you could just hit save to cart. And that's basically it. You just click view cart after that and check out the same way you would on pretty much any other website. The only other thing to note is I strongly recommend the prepay option just because it goes faster. Uh, but if this is something that you've done before, you can choose whatever's right for you. So that's about it. Can't really get much easier than that. Ordering from JLC PCB. Muramasa has just listed a whole bunch of new Sega Saturn replacement shells for sale, and I wanted to go over exactly what they're doing and what to expect. So first of all, there are two things going up for sale. First are the cases and then the button sets, because the original cases didn't have the tooling for the buttons as well as the cartridge flap, and these do, so that now you have the opportunity to buy either or both. There's also three kinds of sales available on the Muramasa page. First, um, some of them are just in stock right now, so if you see anything in stock, you could just purchase it. Others are pre-orders that are shells that are definitely going to be made no matter what, because they're typically the shells that consistently sell, so even if they don't get a bunch of pre-orders, they're going to make them anyway uh, and just expect to carry stock of them. And then lastly, there are the crowdfunding choices, the ones that say back this project on the site. And those are ones that are a little kind of crazier colors that maybe people are going to love it, maybe people don't. But if those don't reach a minimum order, then you'll have the choice to either cancel or just switch it to one of the colors that did get funded or, or whatever else. So um, I would take a look for yourself and see which ones you like. Uh, the list of colors is in here and, I, you know, I could list them out, but saying something like opaque red and purple it's not going to do it justice. There are some pictures here for anybody watching on video that, that really just show you how unique and cool this might be. So this all stems from Muramasa purchasing the original mold from the supplier. So this is not like some secondary clone thing where you're going to get a lesser quality case. These are going to be the same quality as the original ones that have been sold. So if you bought one of those clear Saturn cases, and I believe... I either did a write-up or a live stream or something on it last year. I actually think that was back when I was Ronid, so not only do I not really remember it, <laughs> I'm sure I didn't do as good a job as I could have, but they're really good quality shells. Uh, I think I did the transparent ones. So if you're looking for good quality replacements, these are definitely it. And I wanted to take just a, you know an extra moment to explain it here because while some people said they immediately understood what the sale page was, I was kind of confused. So maybe I was half asleep or something. So if you were also confused about the Saturn shells, then uh, hopefully I was able to clear this up. But three types of orders in stock, definitely coming uh, pre-orders or maybe able to be funded pre-orders, as well as buttons and shells. All the links for everything you need are right here in the description as well. Now it's time for this week's Mr. News, care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source, who, by the way, is just as awesome in person as he is in his videos. It's very cool hanging out with you this weekend, Lou. But if there's anything here that piques up your interest, please check out Lou's video in the post here as well. But let's just jump in and see what we got. 
First, Darren O. has officially made the prehistoric Isle core available to the public. It's still in beta, so expect some issues, but at least it's easily available. Also, there should be an update coming for analog CRT users, uh, and also Snow Brothers 2 and Truxton 2 should have updates as well. The uh, Chameleon core has now been officially re- released by Pierco, and the, he's also working on another one for Cosmo Police Gavilon. Another portion of the PlayStation core is now cycle accurate. By the way, Robert did another awesome write-up about that for my fellow nerds that want to know the why, not just the what. But basically that means more parts of the original PlayStation hardware are pretty much, if not exactly, identical on the Mr. to the original. Not the entire console, but certain sections of it. So this... um, this goal for cycle accurate perfection is, you know, realistically not fully obtainable, but an awesome goal to have. Because if you get where Robert's going and you have different parts of it as cycle accurate, the end result is going to be awesome. And it's also not just for end users. It's other people who are looking into the same types of hardware and want to use and share the open source code with each other. So taking the time to do it as good as possible is amazing. So thank you, Robert. Also, the Missile Command Core is now available right through the main updates. Um, The M72 Core has added the games Ninja Spirit and Image Fight, and there's even a few more games available to test based off the same core, like Dragon Bead, Mr. Healy, and Legend of the Hero Tanma. So try them out now if you want, just by downloading them direct. Uh, Hotego has given some updates regarding schematic extraction and some future cores. So the Renegade schematics are completed, and now there's work on them for Extermination and in Sector X. And Tank Battalion is now in the works for a Mr. Core, which is pretty cool. And there's also a few other updates for different types of cores like the PCXT and the Raising Core. So, as always, thanks so much to Lou for keeping all of this up to date. Even when gone at an expo all weekend, still was able to put this video together. So, thanks very much, Lou. And especially, and of course, thank you to everybody who contributes to the Mr. Project. Including just all the, the awesome fans that politely spread the love and, uh, and kind of, you know, drown out the trolls in the background. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So last week, my friend, professional musician, retro RGB contributor, and writer Ronnie Batik came to visit before the expo. And while we had a very hectic schedule, I made sure to just sit down, throw on a microphone, flip on the camera, and start recording. And while the audio quality wasn't the best, we were kind of at that point where it was like, do we shoot a podcast together 
you know, do we have time to set everything up? And I just thought, how, how many chances am I going to get to be hanging out at my house with a friend who came all the way from outside of Beirut, Lebanon to come hang out? So uh, we did the interview. It was awesome. I loved, of course, I loved talking about heavy metal, but I also loved talking and hearing stories about him growing up in Lebanon and all of the unique things that, you know, because we're into a lot of the same stuff, but we, we kind of discovered them from, in some cases, very different ways. I just really enjoyed the conversation, and I hope all of you did too. It's basically just a chat between two friends talking, uh, which, you know, some of, some of those are my favorite podcasts I've ever done. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and following Ronnie's work, then I have a feeling you'd really enjoy listening to this one. So thanks very much to Ronnie for, for coming here, for doing all this stuff, for keeping up with an insane schedule five days in a row. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool that we got to do this. And also, if you're interested in uh, any of the metal stuff that we talked about, I linked it, of course, in the, the YouTube video and in the post. And also, Ronnie was on previous Writers, uh, Writers podcast as well, if you'd like to hear any of that. So thanks again, and check it out if you're interested. Oh, uh, as usual, available everywhere. The Long Form Podcast, and this one, of course, is available absolutely everywhere. Listen to it audio only. Uh, listen to it on video. I don't care. I mean that with love. If, if you're listening, I'm happy. That's all that matters. Derek Pascarella just uploaded a video about the Sega Dreamcast VCD adapter, which until I saw his video pop up, I honestly had forgotten that even existed. So I'll give a little bit of background about this as well as some notable points if anybody cares. I think anybody around my age is going to have a a trip down memory lane and anybody that didn't know what VCD was might have something kind of interesting or not. We'll find out. But basically VCD stood for video CDs. And they were essentially about VHS in quality and would be able to hold almost a whole movie on one regular audio CD, which made them very cheap and easy to produce. And manufacturers at the time took advantage of the fact that a lot of people already owned CD-based game consoles and came out with different VCD modules to allow you to play them on the consoles. Some were available in the U.S., most weren't because this was more of a format that you would find in Asia or sometimes over in Europe. But basically the whole thought was you tell people to buy a module that's relatively inexpensive compared to other players and stuff like that. Now you could use your Saturn, your Sega Dreamcast, and whatever else to play these movies on there. So it was kind of cool because you were able to basically just take something that you already had, buy a cheap adapter, and start watching movies on your game console. And the quality didn't matter so much back then because most of us were just watching all of this stuff via RF or composite anyway. So the fact that it was VHS quality basically the same for us but kind of a cool format and you know you could watch a movie your favorite movie a bunch of times and not have it get slightly worse each time you play it like with tape-based media so it was kind of neat and apparently the company innovation made a couple of different adapters for the dreamcast that were all very similar in nature they had an ir receiver dongle that you would plug into the controller port they had a couple of different remotes and then they had a boot cd that you would boot to this and then open up the tray and swap in your VCD. So Derek showed how that worked. Uh, he showed the, the DRM of it. So if you unplug the IR receiver, 
then it doesn't work anymore, which would prevent people from just copying the VCD boot disk and then doing it that way, which is kind of a, a neat and, and fair form of DRM. And Derek also showed how you're able to use optical drive emulators to play ripped VCD disks in this method, which is more nostalgic than anything else. I'll get to that in a sec. Um, but basically, you would have to name them similarly if you're using something like the gdmu so that it would think that the vcd boot disc is disc one and then the other parts of the movie are disc two and three so when you hit the button it could do the emulation for swapping between them so while i really enjoyed the video it was a trip down memory lane and even derek himself kind of made a couple of comments on twitter about oh, like this might be useless but here it is anyway i do think this is one of those things that's more exciting for the history behind it than the actual use case of it because once the playstation 2 and xbox came out with dvd drives built in very shortly afterwards dvd burners and dvd media started coming far down in price because remember, all of these things started out as multi-thousand dollar devices, and then at some point, they became the hundred dollar DVD burners that we all know, where you could buy large reels of, you know, a hundred DVDs for a hundred bucks type of thing, or DVD-Rs. So VCD kind of went away pretty quickly, and there's not much nostalgia for it from uh, going back today's point of view, unless it's just something that you want to recreate, or one of those experiences that you want to just have to wonder what it was like. But actually going back and watching these, I'm not, I'm not sure if there's any content that it would provide you a unique experience. So like Derek used Home Alone 2, which of course you could probably buy on Blu-ray that was rescanned from the original. But if there are things out there, you know, my opinion on this stuff, and just an opinion of course, but if try finding whatever it is that you want to watch in the latest media it was released on. There are some exceptions. There are some movies that they put smoothing filters on and stuff where the main characters look plastic, like you're going through a wax museum. So, you know, drop down to DVD and maybe watch it on a projector or a CRT. But there's really very rarely a scenario in which I would want to drop, drop down below that. There's, of course, some laser discs that were released with different audio tracks and different features and even different cuts of things. So, of course, that original experience is great. I got the Godfather saga on Betamax because while, yes, you can get probably a hundred other versions of it, that one was pretty unique. But I can't remember a scenario, and please correct me if I'm wrong because I would love to know this, but I can't remember a scenario where something was available on VCD that wasn't available anywhere else. Which means if you wanted to pick up a VCD to, to play in your Dreamcast with this or your Saturn or whatever else, it might be really neat just to see what that would have been like. But actually sit down and enjoying a movie, you're probably going to be better off in any other method. So, um, you know, just my thoughts on that. I just thought this was kind of a neat thing. And I knew this was a shorter podcast today, so I wanted to spend a moment reminiscing about VCDs. Um, also, a shout out to Derek. I got to meet him in person at the expo. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll see a lot more of him at the uh, Brooklyn Arcade, uh, Brooklyn Games and Arcade. And also, if you've if his name sounds familiar, that's because I've talked about Derek quite a bit in the past with Dreamcast English translation projects that he's been a part of. So keep them coming, Derek. Even uh, even the uh, the silly and useless stuff like a video about VCDs is still awesome, and I enjoyed it. And uh, there really wasn't much info about this anywhere else. I think there was only one other video. So I do very much appreciate a super short overview video about that, which is probably shorter than my rambling is now, just to, to kind of get the info out for people who are curious. So thanks, dude. 
Alright, before I completely lose my voice, I want to just give a, a fun recap and shout out to Retro World Expo. If that's not something that interests you, totally cool, drop off, there's nothing coming after this. But uh, I just wanted to say a very heartfelt thank you to absolutely everyone. People like Lance and Chris who threw the expo and were kind enough to invite us and let us go hang out and shoot interviews in the back room while uh, while everybody else was going around. Of course, all of my friends and all of the people who I really love and respect that were able to come a very long way to join us and be part of this. That was so cool hanging out with everybody. And of course, meeting all of you is always awesome. Every year I love seeing the people that I've seen, you know, maybe not necessarily last year, but over the past few years come back and say hi again. And I remember all your faces, nobody's name. I barely remember my own name sometimes, no disrespect, but I remember everybody's face. I often remember the things that we talked about too, and it's it's very cool to see people come back up. It's especially cool to, to even meet new people, introduce everybody to each other, and that was another really awesome thing. There are so many creators uh, and especially the humble creators out there that kind of have this attitude of like, oh, I, you know, I, you shouldn't introduce me. I don't have anything to contribute. But they absolutely do, and they continue to contribute. You know, I love getting everybody together and just being like, you're all awesome. Now, now take it all in type of thing. And it was very cool. Um, people came from all over. The booths were set up really neat in a way where we were all kind of hanging out in the section around each other. So everybody from Forgotten Freshness to Brooklyn Video Games and like everybody in between were all friends of ours. It was just such a cool time. Also, there was somebody there who uh, kind of local to the area that had built up uh, Trans Am to be a Night Rider car and allowed me to sit in it, put those pictures up online, which was a childhood dream come true. I absolutely loved that. So um, the one thing that I wanted to do to kind of let everybody get a feeling like they were hanging out with us is I was able to get a bunch of people lined up for interviews just for like a compilation. So it'll be like a part one and part two in the upcoming weeks. And it's one of those things where there's definitely not enough time to get to everybody. And, you know, the, the weather was crazy. A ton of people's flights got canceled. There was a tornado warning. It was, it was a little bit of a craziness on the, on the first day or the day before when we were trying to, to shoot some of these. So, I'll try to get that out in the next coming weeks. The audio dropped off at some point. Anybody that's ever done kind of like boots on the ground type of interview style like this knows exactly what's coming. It's going to be good, but there's going to be some some strange, uh, you know, errors in the in the mix. But I wanted to get that out there, and I also just wanted to apologize to anybody I didn't get in front of the camera. Um, you know, I tried so hard to get to everybody, but we just completely ran out of time. Then I lost my voice and had to like keep it going so I could hang out at the expo and uh, hopefully I'll be able to catch up with other people. Um, obviously the whole New York crew, you know, we'll just have another meetup down in New York and I'll bring my camera equipment. That's much less of a big deal. And I'm sure they knew that too, but some of the other people that, that traveled pretty far to be there, I'm really sad I didn't get to sit down with you, but Hopefully that just means that's more more room for collaboration in the future. So in the next few weeks, definitely expect that. It's a lot of editing and cleanup, so I'm going to try to get part one for next Monday, part two for the following, and we'll go from there. But anyway, I just wanted to genuinely and heartfelt say thank you to absolutely everyone because it was such a good time. And it's stuff like that that really reminds everybody that... You know, sometimes you got to deal with that online negativity, and it really is less than 1% of the people in the retro gaming scene. We really are a bunch of very awesome nerds, 
and it was very cool hanging out with all of you. So thank you all so much. And of course, even if you couldn't make it, thank you to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to people that supports Retro RGB in any way possible, because none of this stuff would be possible without you. The meetups, the expos, the website, the behind the scenes work, none of it, none of it would be possible. So thank you so much, and I'll see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.